I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of your opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and use the promo code NFL 100. Alex Barth with our very special guest today on this Tuesday afternoon. It is Tim Jenkins of All Things QB, former Rams quarterback, spent some time up in Canada, right, Tim? With uh, yeah. what, what, what team was it again? The uh, was Calgary. It Calgary, don't you know? Don't you know? In Calgary, now he uh, is on YouTube at All Things QB and also a quarterback trainer. So we have him here to discuss Mac Jones, the decision to go with Mac Jones, but also look ahead to Mac Jones's rookie season and what is to come for the Patriots quarterback. And Tim, we were just talking about it a little bit off the air just now before we started rolling. What were your initial impressions of the Patriots' decision to go with Mac Jones for week one and release Cam? And then we can also get into just your thoughts of Mac Jones's preseason and how he looked in those three games as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think I was like everybody where there was a shock factor. I think everyone saw that Mac was doing a really good job on tape. Right. I think everyone saw that he was processing things at a high level. I just think a lot of people, and, and we've done it with all these rookies kind of, is you take it for granted, right? You say, oh, okay, but they're going against a bunch of guys that aren't going to be in the NFL for long. So we kind of say like, oh yeah, it's pretty good. But, um, you guys probably had a better feel for it because you saw what Mac was doing day in and day out at practice. You know, if you ever got ones on ones, right? Cause that probably weighed more into the decision. So I think I was surprised like everybody. Not the fact that they decided to go with with Matt, because I think his film, like you could have made the argument, hey, he's playing better, let's go with him. But just then the addition of cutting Cam Newton, right? Like that was, I mean, I think I was shocked like everybody else when I got on Twitter and saw, oh, the Patriots just released Cam Newton. So anytime a guy goes from starting for a team, even though, right, there's a, there's a lot of, I think, different takes on Twitter regarding Cam and if he actually did anything last year. Anytime you go from starting in the NFL, though, to getting released, I, I, it's a big deal at the quarterback spot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, just in, in terms of him being released, do you think there's anything to the idea that, you know, I mean, you've been in those rooms, you kind of know the dynamic that a guy with Cam Newton's resume can't be a backup because for a rookie, right? Because it's, you know, Mac throws one in completion and, hey, we've got an MVP over here on the bench ready to go. Alex, I think you nailed it. I think Belichick's thought process was, listen, I have to get Cam Newton out of the building, not only because he, yeah, he had an MVP year at a Super Bowl run, right, but because he's also like a pretty likable guy inside a locker room. And, you know, and I'm not going to make fun of Mac or anything, but like I could imagine that Cam relates to guys on a different level than Mac Jones, especially being a rookie. So I think the fact that, hey, I don't want someone thinking, let's go to this guy. And then two, I don't want there to be this like, you know, groundswell of grassroots support for a guy because of his personality. I think both factored in. And I think a lot of people were pretty honest when they said, listen, I think Belichick actually kind of likes Cam Newton because he's saying, hey, Cam, good luck. Go, you know, go find a spot that you could be successful. Um, so it's interesting. I think all of it played into it. Um, but I'm assuming that the number one thing is they just felt that level of comfortability with with Mac, and then they probably feel better with Hoyer backing him up from a play style perspective as well. So, Tim, I, the question I want to ask you about Cam, and then we're going to head on over to all Mac Jones for the rest of this, but yeah. do, based off of what you saw in the preseason, I know it was limited from Cam. Do you still think he can – be a starting quarterback in the NFL because we talked about this a lot during training camp. 
he looked better this year than he did last year in the Patriots offense. His timing was better. I thought his downfield accuracy was improved. But the one thing that you heard inside the building about Cam Newton's season, uh, preseason and training camp just all summer long was something that we talked about with you a couple of months ago that the pre-snap control. Right, getting to the line of scrimmage, pointing out blitzes, getting the offense into the correct play based off of the look that the defense was giving him. He was better at the premeditated call, right? When they made a call in the huddle, he got to the line of scrimmage. He was running that on a better level. But Mac, in particular, if you want to go that direction with her, just in general with Cam – they felt like they ran into a little bit of a roadblock with him in terms of what he was able to check out of or audible out of and so forth. I think, well, one, I think Cam definitely can be a start in the league. I think that the important distinctions are the New England Patriots system is so, uh, the margin for error is so small. So everything is designed to get us into the premium look pre-snap, right? So, hey, we don't want to just run a pretty solid play, no matter the coverage. We want to run an open field play and alert it to a closed field, right? Closed safety play based on the perfect look. So that's why you saw Mac Jones, right? I made a joke on Twitter. Hey, every time Mac Jones alerts a play, Cam Newton's one step closer to the door, right? I didn't actually think that was real. But like every time you saw Mac, hey, alert, 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 he's getting from the open to the closed or closed to the open, and if it's the right decision, it's just one more step that, like, Cam can do that, but he just wasn't as effective last year. So I think Cam can play in the right offense. If you get to, if you get Cam with, like, heavy 12, where you can max pro things and you can count on him to create and drive the ball down the field and it's, it's, hey, pure progression based, meaning we like this play, read it one, two, three, no matter the coverage. I think Cam could be really successful. Plus, you can wrinkle in all the RPO and all the other stuff that, you know, being 260 pounds and more athletic than everybody on planet Earth gives you, right? Like, I think, you know, we take for granted who Cam can be. um, But I do think right now Cam's just not a fit for the way this New England offense has been running, you know, really since, you know, Brady and all those guys. But the way that they want to run this system, I just don't think he's a fit uh, for the New England offense. Yeah, I I think that's exactly what we saw as well throughout is just I kept on saying round hole square peg, right? They they just yeah. kept on jamming Cam into a situation that didn't really fit him. You mentioned the alerts and stuff like that. I saw you posted the play on Twitter about what you thought was maybe Max open field, yeah. middle of field open, middle of field close read and, and uh, adjustment there that he made. Yeah. Can you just talk about that and kind of explain uh, the quarterback's process pre-snap? Because we throw these things out there, and I'm not sure that they're very easily digestible for a yeah. lot of people. Yeah, so uh, middle field open, we're just talking, hey, two safeties, right? Split safety. So that's all the coverages in that family, like cover two, quarters anyone that plays Madden we're good on those right we got cover two we got quarters when we say close we mean single high so usually cover one in the NFL it's usually man or you get cover three right I would say that you don't get that much true three anymore but that's what we're saying when we're saying open and close a lot of the Patriots alert package is off of open we want to run the ball because then we're going to be So if you think, if we have two safeties deep and our corners, now we can only have seven in the box, right? When they get to close, they can have eight in the box. So when it's open, they want to run the ball. So a lot of those will come in with the run play first. If they get that safety rotation, they start playing man behind it or they start playing three, then you'll see those guys, right? And Brady did it forever, but Mac Jones, alert, alert, alert. That's when they're going to get to the pass play because you really want to throw the ball against a single high safety and you want to run the ball against too high. Now there's a bunch of different, hey, we want to, we have a good two shell pass play versus a single shell pass play, that kind of stuff that they'll do the alerts with too. Um, but just know they're getting from, usually it's based on the coverage shell when they're alerting. It could be a strict run to run check, which would then involve the D line fronts, but people don't really need to know that. If they just knew, hey, if they could just see the safeties and say, oh, it's open or up, oh, it's closed. That would really help them understand why Mac is saying alert, alert, and touching his helmet. Hey, Pats fans, when I say the name Willie McGinnis, what word comes to mind? Defense? Champion? What about legend? Well, add to that list 
entrepreneur because number 55 is one of several athletes who are investors and owners in the athletic apparel brand legends. That's right, Willie, along with guys like Steve Nash, Baker Mayfield, Matt Barnes, former Celtic Marcus Morris Sr., and even entertainment icon Quavo are just a few of the names building legends into the hottest apparel brand in the market. Visit legends.com today to shop the latest trends in athletic apparel from shorts, tees, hoodies, and more, and save 20% when you use our code PATS20. That's legends.com and promo code PATS20. Offer ends October 10th. Well, so I guess to kind of expand on that point, the thing that, again, Evan and I and a lot of people talked about was if Mac Jones could just sit for a couple of weeks and kind of see how all this is done behind the scenes because he didn't see some of this at the college level. I mean, what goes into picking that up? Is it something that he has to pick up on the fly? Is it something that they can fully simulate in practice? Like, what is he going through right now to kind of prepare to be able to make those reads week one? So the nice thing is Alabama did a bit of it. So Alabama did a bit. They didn't do alert, but the, if you when you watch his college shape, he would say kill, kill, right? That's the same exact thing. It's just different verbiage. So he did a little bit of the kill package. So he's got it. He had a little bit of it. I think Alabama was more based on the like it was a pass to pass or run to run. So this New England going run to pass, pass to run, that's a little different for him. Um, with that being said, like you know, we were we were joking about it off air of like man what a way to open up the NFL with Miami, right? Who's not scared to go cover zero and all this stuff. I almost think if I'm Belichick, I almost think there's an argument to be made that Mac is better suited, right? Because it's like, listen, he's still going to get confused because he's a rookie and the way they disguise stuff, it's just like, hey, they're going to lose some snaps. But I almost wonder if it's like this kid is, I almost wonder if Belichick was sitting there like, we're better off, we're going to get protected more and we're going to get to our hots more with Mac than we are with Cam. So let's just rip the Band-Aid off and go. Um, but I do think what they're probably giving him right now in practice behind the scenes is every single exotic, is what we call it, look that you could see on third down, where you see like, hey, they make it look exactly like man with the double-A gap pressure pre-snap, and then they kick back into Tampa 2. Like that's what they're giving him right now in practice, and they're trying to say, here's the indicators, here's what you can do use your double cadence. There's all this stuff that they're probably prepping him on. But honestly, based on how he was getting in and out of plays in the preseason, I'm not sure if it's a real concern, that operation of it. I think the biggest concern is can he correctly point the mic and get the protection set against this Dolphins and and all the pressure that he's going to see week one. So real quick, let me jump in kind of unrelated, but something you just brought up. I see people talking about it in the chat. When you talk about identifying the mic and identifying things on the defensive front, how much did you use Jersey numbers to do that? Because now in Brady's talked about the disadvantage where there's the Jersey numbers are now totally random. Like, does that actually make a difference for a quarterback at the line of scrimmage? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and so it like in terms of the starters, no, right. Of course, a quarterback in the NFL is going to know the starting linebackers. When you're talking about bringing in because uh, they have an injury and bringing in the fourth and fifth backer, it starts to matter. Because if all of a sudden he's number, you know, 23 and he looks like a safety, you're kind of like, are they a nickel? Right. You start thinking like weird things. So, yeah, I, I to me, the jersey number is a big deal. How much is it going to actually affect the outcome of games? I don't think it's going to. I think it's going to take some getting used to. But, yeah, I mean, for the pros, it was so much it's just better, right? Because you know, hey, I know my linebackers can only be in this. My say, my secondary can only be in this. You know, uh, Max, probably, he's not going through any change because he came from college. Right. Like, I'll never forget in college, one week I'm miking number 99, and the next week I'm miking number two. Like, you know, they just wear whatever the heck they want. So in college, you get used to it. In the NFL, Brady, right, he's been playing pro football longer than all these guys have been playing football. He's just like used to the number system now. And so he's probably like, this sucks. <laughs> so is it almost like an inherent little built-in advantage then for the rookie quarterbacks that they just uh, yeah, their minds aren't already wired that way? Yeah, they don't they don't know any better. They're sitting there miking number seven and they just have no idea why. <laughs> All right, sorry for the number talk, Evan, but it was in the chat. I thought no, kind of it. So it's good to it's good to hear that Brady is is not going crazy and just number blind or or dyslexic or something like that, and he can't yeah. read the numbers on the jerseys. That it actually does matter. And Tim, you you've been in these quarterback rooms, you've been a part of a game plan week and all this kind of stuff. And 
what is the difference? Because I think that this is another question that goes around about in the preseason, it's a lot of focus on what's going on in the Patriots locker room, right? Getting your stuff run, getting your packages out there and installs. Now you're installing a game plan for the Miami Dolphins. So what, what does Mac Jones's process have to change? You know, now that he is going from the preseason to the, to the regular season, Josh McDaniels, played this down a little bit yesterday and said he started games in the NFL not in the NFL, but in college before, right. And at the high school level, yeah. it's not his first ever start in his life. Right. And he's starting games at Alabama and the sec, but it is different. Now an opponent is preparing directly for him and not necessarily just for the situation in a preseason game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's just now everything is team specific, right? So now everything's geared towards Miami. I expect a lot of rub routes, Right, where it's, hey, we're running slant arrow and we're trying to pick but rub that defender to get a free runner. Expect a lot of those man concepts. I would, ex- I, like, what they're getting internally right now is what I would bet a lot of zone alert man pass plays, meaning, hey, if we feel like they're in zone, here's one that we like that's got an open and closed side, but alert it if we get man. They're going to work a lot of, I would assume, double cadence against the pressure. I'd assume a lot more screens. I mean, the Patriots are already great at running screens, but I would assume you're going to see the screens really come alive this week, especially that stuff where they fake to the running back, fake the, like, around play, and then throw the screen back to the running back. That, to me, is is going to be huge this week. So I think, you know, from the specifics, that's what he's going through. Just from the broader term, he's just going through. It's honestly probably better, right, because instead of, hey, here are our base plays that we like, and we don't know what coverage they're going to run this week. Now we're actually, you know, prepping for the coverage. So now you actually probably feel better going into the game than you did when you're going and playing Philadelphia. Um, You know, now the defense will be much more exotic and they won't be a stagnant pre-snap, which is going to be a problem. But I I would expect to see a lot of motion, especially that where they start their back out wide and bring him in because that's an easy man zone indicator or start him in the backfield and motion him out. I'd expect a lot of that from the Patriots to help try to undress the defense a little bit for Mac. I'd expect a lot of double cadence if his true under center stagnant run game. Um, but I, I mean, listen, I think in terms of the building to be in, if I was a rookie quarterback, it's New England. I'd want to be in the building with Belichick and McDaniels prepping for my first game more so than anybody else in the NFL right now. Yeah. And you're going to, you know, Belichick too, because a lot of these cover zero looks that Brian Flores runs, he started running them in new England as the defensive play caller here. So these he's had his own wrinkles to it. He's had his own spin to it, but in a lot of ways, this is Bill Belichick's foundation, right? That Brian Flores is kind of spiced up in his own way. So one of the things that you hear about and, the Chargers, a lot of their reporters have talked about this too with Staley out there with Justin Herbert is the advantage of having a defensive minded head coach and Bill Belichick's ability to just follow Mac Jones around this week and say, this is what Brian Flores is going to do to you here. This is what Brian, because he's thinking of it of if I was game planning against Mac Jones, yeah. what would I do? And other, the, these other coaches and, and it's, they're all great coaches, but a lot of the the NFL is going towards these offensive minded guys, right? McVay, Kyle Shanahan, you know, Arthur Smith in Atlanta, you know, all these guys that are offensive minded. But the Patriots have the, a defensive mastermind that is known for confusing the heck out of rookie quarterbacks and making life hell on those guys. So that's got to be a pretty good advantage for Mac as well. Yeah, I think you know it's it's all about kind of I think roster makeup and 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 kind of how your coaching staff is because I think to Bill's credit, Belichick is anything but a in my opinion like the traditional defensive minded coach. Like New England gets into some really cool exotic stuff on offense, and a normal defensive minded guy is like, "Don't mess this up for me." And I think Belichick understands like we need a great offense too. So he lets McDaniels run free. But when you have a guy who lets the OC run free and then he's just coaching from the trying to teach defense, that's huge. So I think Belichick has it dialed in, whereas there's other guys like like I, I would talk about, you know, I live in Denver. What's going on in Denver, right? And going with Teddy Bridgewater, that's obviously a conscious choice of how we want to win football games. And it's very much the don't mess it up. 
right? And I think when you're in the NFL and the and the way the game is going is all offense, it's hard if you approach it from that perspective. But I think Max is the perfect situation because I think you have a defensive-minded guy who can teach. And his staff tree is like the entire NFL at this point, it feels like, right? So he's got a guy that can teach, but then he also has an OC who's driving innovation and doing all this stuff that's going to make your offense better. So I think they have such a good balance there in terms of, hey, defensive-minded, but from a teaching perspective, but then also we're driving innovation on offense. I think it's going to help Mac a ton. I think in terms of what Bill's really going to be able to help him do is ID, okay, what are the little things that a defense will do? Because no one ever wants to be all the way out of position. So what are the little things? How can I, how do I know that this boundary cat is coming, right? Okay, that safety creeps outside the hash a little bit. There's all these little things that, that Bill will be able to teach Mac that he'll be able to apply on the field to really be ready for all these pressure situations. And then just to continue with the coaching staff, like, is there an inherent, the Patriots don't have a quarterbacks coach. It's Josh McDaniels. He's also the offensive coordinator. I don't know how uncommon that is. I know a lot of teams do have quarterback coaches, but is there an advantage, a disadvantage in Mac as a rookie with the OC and the quarterbacks coach being the same person? Yeah, I, honestly, I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised that the NFL more or less gets rid of the quarterback coach at some point, right? Like it's just the OC QB guy because none of these guys, like Mac Jones isn't getting better at the New England Patriots mechanically. Mac Jones is going to go find somebody, right? He's going to either work with us or someone else. Like that's what these guys do nowadays. They don't train. Like the quarterback coaches in the NFL don't sit there and go, hey, man, I didn't think your arm was good there. Like that just doesn't happen anymore. So I think – I, you know, I, I think it's going to go the way of OC QB coach. What I wouldn't be surprised to see is more offensive coordinator and then like assistant offensive coordinator who happens to handle the QBs. Cause what you really want from that guy is someone who's reinforcing the reads, reinforcing, Hey, you know, here's the look we want to kill this against this, this, and this. There's just less, all your technical stuff gets done at this position in the off season. Whereas when you get a receiver, you could go ahead and bet that he's been hanging out all summer or for most of the summer. And we're going to have to teach him on some of his releases, right? It's not like, you know, it's not like uh Harry comes there and he's like already dialed in as a route runner, right? You guys have to dial him in as a route runner. So there's different things for different spots, but I would tell you, I think the QB OC is going to be more of a combo position as you know, but the issue is the NFL just doesn't care about budget, right? If, if this right. was the, if this was college or, you know, we'd say, hey, it's a good budget decision. They don't care. They're like, oh, hire this other guy for 180. Like they don't, they really just don't care. So I think if it was budget driven, you would see that quarterback coach go away. Well, I mean, it also feels like, I mean, how many guys have come up that way? Whether it was, um, what's his name in, in, in Dallas, who was the quarterback at Boise. Yeah. Um, uh, Kellen, was, Kellen, uh, Kellen Mond was the quarterback's coach. Oh, not Kellen Mond, uh, Kellen, uh, Kellen Moore. Moore. Kellen Moore, Kellen yeah, Moore Kellen was the quarterback's Moore. coach. Um, O'Connell in, in Washington was the quarterback. So yeah. it's interesting. It, it feels, I mean, I know this is, again, t- kind of off topic, but it's interesting to hear you say that because I feel like then you maybe have to reroute where, where OCs are coming from. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I, – I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it go away. Or I wouldn't be surprised to see it be more those Kellen Moore types that you know are really – it's football IQ and it's not – technique I just think we're going to see technique from the quarterback position go by the wayside because I just think like frankly these guys don't care like Tom Brady does not care what Bruce Arians tell or Brian or Leftwich tells him about his arm placement nor like he he goes to he goes the house for that like that's right that's it you know so to me it's like those are I just think we'll see that go by the wayside We'll, we'll stop seeing that technical teaching from the quarterback coach internally Tim I was watching a little bit of that Miami Rams game from last year, the one that seemed to get Jared Goff traded in a lot of ways, yeah. right? <laughs> the yeah. Miami's running the amoeba front where they got everybody up at the line of scrimmage and moving around and Goff threw an interception to Christian Wilkerson, uh, Wilkins, excuse me, a, a nose tackle. And, and it just did not look pretty. I want to take you back to the cover zero stuff and some of the things that Miami do does defensively quickly. What are the keys for Mac Jones against this type of defense? Because we'll see if they're able to get into that all the way in week one. Sometimes a lot of that 
Amoeba stuff doesn't come into play until the second half of the year when they really have some continuity with the group that they're running up front. But assuming that Flores does throw a bunch of that kind of stuff at Mac Jones, well, what are the keys to, for Mac to have a successful day? Yeah, I think the key is to hunt with the football when you get cover zero, and I think that's exactly what Josh McDaniel is going to be telling him right now is they've got some really good shot plays dialed up, and if you get cover zero, throw the deep one because if you hit two of them early, it's over. They're going to sit back into cover one, and they're going to get into cover two, and they're no longer going to be able to make you hot. So to me, I think it's like the slot fade, some of the stuff you saw him do against Philadelphia with, you know, we call it samurai, but the deep post and the deep over then running to that opposite side. Um, they've been doing a ton of like Cadillac, which is like a shallow with a big end. Those kind of things are going to be huge. And as long as he, as long as he hits a couple of those, if he hits a deep over and a go or a deep end early, expect Miami to back off because what every aggressive coordinator is afraid of is actually getting beat. They all say, Oh, we'll live and die by it until you hit one on them. And then they're all like, Right. And then they all get back into cover two because a defensive like it's all psychology, right? Defensive guys, their whole life, they're dictated to. They hate offensive people. They hate being dictated to. If you were to ask a defensive coordinator's wife, like what she did, what she should do. It's like dictate to him because the guy gets it all day at work. Right. So it's like those are the guys that if you just hit one or two deep ones on them, they're going to all of a sudden get they're going to get back. They're not going to be able to force him hot. So I guarantee Josh McDaniels is scripting up some of that slot fade stuff where, hey, they're in three by one, the number two receiver. So if three by one, the number one receiver is all the way outside, number two's in the middle, three's close to the line. The number two receiver on the fade, that to me is what they're going to script up a bunch of. And when they hit two of them, it, they're going to back off. And then all of a sudden, I mean, it's going to be easy money. I think that that's – sorry, I was just real quick. I think yeah. that that's something that with cover zero – quarterbacks don't do enough, right? You see guys looking for their hot and that Wilkins interception is a perfect example because Miami, when they see that they're being blocked, they drop into those low shallow zones to take away the hot route. So Goff thinks he's going to throw that slant behind the cover zero blitz because he's hot and Wilkins is right in the passing lane and a 320 pound guy picks him off. Right. And you see these types of things and that's what quarterbacks are taught, right? When when we're hot, we're going to throw a slant. We're going to throw a flat. We're going to get the ball out of our hands quickly. Instead of just standing there a little bit patient and, and throwing a, a deeper throw and hoping that your protection holds up. And I hope that Mac Jones and the Patriots are having that conversation with him, right, where it says attack deep on this cover yeah. zero look because – they're going to be ready for those hots, right? They're going to have guys dropping into those coverages and Miami does it really well. The Patriots did it with Flores and their zero package too, where if you're engaged, right? If you're a blitz or a rusher and you get engaged by an offensive lineman, you bail out of the blitz, right? So it looks, it has the same impact of a cover zero blitz, but it ends up being those guys ends up popping out and that ends up giving the quarterback a lot of problems. Yeah, one thing that I think I wouldn't be surprised if Belichick walked into McDaniel's office and said this week was extend your hots. What that means is normally, and if we're in two by two, normally the slot guy's the hot runner. Well, there's a lot of systems that you can change it, right? And now it takes a good X or Z to look all the way inside and read through it. But if there's enough communication and then now your Z's your hot runner, you'll avoid those underneath droppers. So I think when you see that stuff, honestly, I don't want to say it's laziness, but you have to script according to who you're playing. And if you can extend the hots to where then a hot turns more into the slot blocking the corner and that that Z running like a one-step slant, now you're going to avoid all that traffic in the middle. So I think extending your hots is a key when you're playing Miami. And it's another way of like, okay, hey, if the first time we get it, we throw slot fade. The next time we send our slot to block the corner and we throw one-step slant and hey, we hit a 25-yard slot fade, and then we hit an 18-yard, what turned into really a tunnel smoke screen. Like, they get out of it. And it, and all it is is handle it the first few times, and you're not going to see it again. And unfortunately, what happened last year for New England when I was watching the Cam stuff was Cam did not handle it, especially from the condensed sets. Cam did a terrible job with it. So then Miami just kept freaking bringing it, and – I mean, it doesn't matter what quarterback you are. If you face cover zero the whole day, it's going to be a rough day. Hopefully you win 15 to 30, 
and you hit six touchdowns, right? Because you because those fifteen completions can go. But if you just face zero the whole day, it's I mean it's hard. It's not like that's it's not a fun way to play football. Well, so you just mentioned the condensed sets, and and because I'm wondering. You know, they have that lack of depth at linebacker Miami does after some of the moves they made this offseason, right? Letting um, Kyle Van Noy go, et cetera. And they have these two tight ends that you think you're going to want to have on the field. Is it almost easier on Mac Jones to condense it and kind of force them to really pack in tight uh, against the run? Or are they better off, you know, you sort of alluded to it, spreading things out. And then yeah. what you were sort of talking about, seemed it seemed like you were talking in terms of 11 personnel. How does yeah. that translate when they go into twelve? I think personally what the Patriots are best off doing is being in 12 or 13, but still being an empty. Cause now you're going to okay. force them into a base defense, right? Cause they don't know your formation when they hold up right. the base sign. So I, I think the best is being 12 or 13 and extend the tight ends, do what we call bang wide, which is where you chip before you get in the flat and then run three man concepts with your check downs. And they did that against the Philadelphia, right? Like there's a ton of times right. where you see these guys bang flat. They, I mean, they do a ton of stuff in new England, to me, I'm just, I would sit there and I'd be in 12 or 13. I'd motion my back out. I'd undress the box and I'd force them to really decide, okay, do you really want to bring that linebacker personnel from all the way out there and pressure me? Or are you going to walk him up and then we're just going to throw a screen? I, I think there's a lot of things you can do to dictate to him. I really think last year, McDaniels was in a transition too, right? He was in a transition from a guy who, hey man, we're in bunch tight. And I've played 18 years of pro football. I know this pressure is coming. I'll get us to a run play here. And he was transitioning to a guy who more or less didn't have that. So I think, you know, let's not – I would be surprised if we saw less bunch, less of those kind of things, because I think McDaniels has probably grown too in terms of knowing he doesn't have Brady there anymore. With that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden, you know, week 10, week 11, this offense starts getting back into some of that bunch, some of the stuff – and Mac does a good job with it. I just think it's all about teaching him in segments of plays versus, hey, we have 15 bunch plays this week. When it comes to five wide, because me and Evan have talked about this, and I feel like you can probably explain it better than we can. You know, the moment for me where I was like, oh, Mac's the guy, is when they came out in five wide in the Washington game. Yeah. Because, and I, it was twice. They came out five wide immediately, and there's another one where they were, were two by two in shotgun and then motion James White out. And, you know, I'm just sitting there like, this is, this is the, 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 this is it. This is the moment we were waiting for. What is it about five wide? Cause you know, some people may think, all right, so it's one more receiver out wide than usual. What is it about five wide that just is on that other level? Yeah. I mean, it it forces the defense's hand a lot, right? If you, you know, I, I I talked about it in my video. I think I saw Evan talking about it too, with the Haas play, right? Hitches outside slot seams. And then they use a little jolt route in the middle. Some people call it juke. Like, that's, that's base New England. What you do is you force teams to either play coverage and drop eight, right, or bring the heat. But you can see it so much better because there's so much extension from the offense. So a lot of people, like, think, hey, the way to help a young quarterback is to run the ball. Loading the box is the worst thing to do. And I'm not talking about Mac Jones. I'm just talking about in general, right? Like, when you see these guys like Georgia and Clemson, game sucked, Right. The, uh, from an offensive perspective, the game was awful. Why? Because everyone was in the box. And these quarterbacks don't know what the hell they're looking at. So now everybody's in the box, and now they have no idea who's coming. And then the brand of football gets worse. You really want to help young quarterbacks get everybody the heck out of the box, get into five wide, get into empty, and go ahead and undress the defense because you force a guy into two things. He's either going to drop eight or he's going to bring six. Right? That's about it. He might play like traditional – hey, we're going to twist and play, you know, four four linemen rushing. But then you're just going to throw the scene for a touchdown like Mac did against Philly. So to me, it's like, I, I think it's a really good game plan, but I would just do it out of base. I would have base personnel in there, but then I would go empty. Because I think then you really force these guys into a hard situation right. where they've got linebackers trying to play coverage. That was the moment that I that I knew it as well as that Giants uh, touchdown pass to Isaiah Zuber on Haas when yeah he sorry ran, Giants yeah yeah no that's okay he ran Haas that one play they throw the seam to Zuber for a touchdown at an empty which I I call big boy Haas right because they yep. they run hitches outside seam inside sometimes 
from different alignments, right, where there's backs in the backfield, or sometimes it's even off play action or things like that from under center. But big boy Haas is when you go empty, right, and you you yeah. ring everybody outside, and you have the little juke route in the middle, and you have five wide, and everybody's running a route. That, that's Brady Haas, right? That's yeah. Super Bowl uh, against the Rams. They ran it three times in a row to get down the field for the game-winning yeah. touchdown. And he hits the seam to Zuber the next drive they come back and he actually, I asked him about that touchdown pass because I I knew he wasn't going to call it Haas. I knew he wasn't going to come out and and name the play, but he mentioned after the game that they came back and they ran it again on the next series and he threw, he got a different look from the defense. So he threw the hitch to the outside. So first play, he sees it. It's single high. He's got the seam. He throws the seam for a touchdown. Next play, they're ready for the seam, right? They, they run yeah. the same play again, and he throws the hitch route. And just his ability to read that so quickly and understand and diagnose it, that's the Patriots offense, right? Yeah. That That's the Patriots offense to a T. One thing that he did so well, too, and I talked about in the video, but with that Haas play you're talking about from empty specifically, what makes it so special is really like you could have thrown either seam for a touchdown. What made the read perfect was we do what's called afro. So when you face closed, that means at some point they rotated, right? What we want as a quarterback is we want to throw afro, meaning away from rotation. So you saw on the film, it was such a good example of how much better a safety is at carrying a seam than a will linebacker. The will linebacker barely gets hands on and expands to the hitch, seems wide open, whereas the safety got depth. So Mac not only said, man, this is a great look to throw seam, but then he also recognized the rotation and worked, hey, Afro away from rotation, he beat the Will one-on-one. That to me was where it's like, not only is he getting it, but he's getting it at such a high level that really it's like you expect him to throw seam, right? Okay, good, check, right? But the fact that it was like, man, I'm going to not only throw seam, but I'm going to work this. And then the next time down the field against a – a pretty decent seam look as well. I'm going to recognize the carry and get to the hitch. Like that's really, really, really good football. And that's where it's like guys like Josh McDaniels and, and, and Bill Belichick, when they see that on tape, like that's what I think drives them to make the decision. Cause a lot of people, it's like his stats were good, but like, they don't care. They care about like, okay, this perfect right. read and perfect instance gave us a touchdown in the red zone. And it's funny because going back to practice on Thursday, I don't know if they were running Haas, but it was the same thing with the rotation, and he just missed it, and he threw a pick. Yeah. So he went from on Thursday, on, on Thursday throwing a pick into that look to Sunday throwing a touchdown into that look. And yeah. that's, you know, I, I think that's, that's what a lot of people have been talking about. You know, you can – I think it's going to be – it's going to be frustrating and cool for Patriots fans because it's been a long time since Patriots fans actually watched a young quarterback get better and progress. It's been a long time. But – it's something you can kind of see happen in real time if you're patient with it. And I think that was kind of the example of it. And that's, I mean, it's just going to be, it's really cool to see that like, okay, he screwed that read up on Thursday. He made it on Sunday. He just got better. You saw it in front of your eyes. He got better. Yeah. I I think this, I mean, I think you nailed it. I think it's going to be really cool to see what he does week to week. And I also think it's going to be really cool that, you know, I know that new England doesn't give you guys the best quotes on planet earth, but I do think it'll be cool if the coaches talk about, hey, here's some stuff we missed, and then it's corrected or, or that kind of stuff, I, I do think there's going to be some really cool storylines beneath the actual storyline of, hey, are we winning or losing? But I do think there's going to be a lot of growth. And I think, like, listen, the, the division they're in is no laughing matter when it comes to defensive innovation. But I also think in terms of, like, a guy that you want to go to war with and Josh McDaniels, like, you, to me, I watched that uh, Giants game. And I really thought to myself, I'm like, McDaniels might be the best OC in football. Like, be- people in Denver killed me on Twitter for I love it, this they hate him from his this take Denver out, because <laughs> Alex and I argue about Josh McDaniels all the time. So I want yeah, I, I, think, I think he's a brilliant play designer. I think when he chooses to call certain plays is where I kind of hesitate. But I haven't watched enough New England. You guys watch more than me. I just think, like, I can tell the rules. And that's where I struggle with when I watch some of these other rookies is it's like, no wonder Trey Lance is up hot and cold and Jekyll and Hyde. Cause it's like, what the hell is the rule on this play? Like McDaniels, like being, you know, in football and then watching their tape, I can make sense of all of it. Whereas like Kyle Shanahan, it's like, this dude's just trying to get one off on this defense. Like there's not really a design. It's like, Oh, let's, you know, we call it a dick them, right? Let's, let's get them one time. 
So it's like, I, I, to me, it's where I, I really think Josh McDaniels, I love the way he's designing it, and I think it's going to help make Mac play more aggressive and efficiently as a rookie. Would you say it's almost, you know, I, I don't want to say gimmicky, but sustainable, whereas it kind of, to what you were just saying, guys like Shanahan, they're looking for the next design that's going to fool the defense, and it fools the defense, and they're chasing the next play after that, and they're constantly chasing that next look that nobody's seen, whereas what McDaniels is doing is putting together something that he can show time and time again, but there's little variations or different ways to read it that he can keep going back to the same thing over and over before it gets old. Is that yeah, the nice thing about I'm... yeah, the nice thing about what Josh does is they they don't have that many concepts comparatively to the rest of the NFL, but they dress them up, right? Like they motion right. a guy out or they shift and then motion and they dress it up. So to the defense, man, this is crazy. Like Evan was talking about Haas and how many different formations they run it out of. They have deep Haas too, which is seam, but with a 10-yard stop instead of a hitch. Like to, to the New England Patriots, that's Haas and deep Haas, right, is what I would guess they call it, right? To the defense, those are like two completely different coverage talking points because in cover three against Haas, you just midpoint the seam and you leave the hitch. Against a 10-yard stop, your corner can't not respect that. So he's going to be late to the seam. So the way, you're, the way you teach your guys the wall and get up vertical as those curl flat defenders – is completely different. But then that's why you see New England out of the two backs, they run that to the boundary and the fullback. And then you see every New England Patriot quarterback drop back, throw it to the fullback once, guy gets 12 yards, next play, turn their shoulders at the fullback, guy goes flying out and they throw the curl. But it's like, it's so hard on a defense. It just looks like curl flat to everybody else, but it's not because the way they dress it up with the motion and they force you in a certain boundary looks, I just think it's, you know, it's like it's like football nerd stuff, right? Like it's right. great. Like to me, it's like I, I sit in my office and I'm like juiced up about an eight yard completion. But it's like it really is such a big deal when those are easy. When those are easy for a quarterback, it's like from there on, it's cash money. What the issue is, a lot of guys work backwards, right? They want an easy shot play rather than letting the defense dictate when we take shot. And then they'll they work it their the whole week for one play off of it. And guess what? You know, Jimmy G missed it. Well, now we're just a bad offense because we don't have any good completion, right? We don't have any good, like, eight-yard completions. And then now we're just running – like, it just – that, to me, is where I just think McDaniels and the Patriots have an edge. I mean, it's it's like the antithesis of Ben Don't Break. Yeah. Yeah, but if you have a guy like Mac Jones, I would tell defenses, go ahead, try to Ben not break us because we'll get to the red zone, and that's where we're going to be sexy. Right? Hey, right. we're going to dink and dunk you all the way down the field. We're going to get to the red zone. We're going to motion out. We're going to be in Haas and drive a seam and flip you off. Right? We always we always joke with our quarterbacks. Right? You throw a touchdown, look at the DC and give them the bird. <laughs> you know, that's like that's like the that's like to me what the New England Patriots are. Get to the red zone. We're going to knife you in the red zone, and then we're going to tell you after the game how much better we are than you. Well, let me I, let me actually ask you this then, because I think one of Cam's best assets this year, and part of it was his ability to run the ball, was in the red zone. Yeah. Like, you know, how does and Mac? Last year at Alabama, I mean, they're scoring from 40 yards out. That's just the yeah. offense. What do you see for Mac as a red zone quarterback? Yeah, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot more of like that Haas concept where they motion out and they beat you formationally. And then it's up to him to process and get to the right spot. I would say that I do think Cam is an added threat in the run game. But I would tell you that I almost feel like there's like a purist perspective of football right, that people don't talk about it. And these West Coast guys, they have this, I have it, where it's like, if it's not a West Coast play, I'm like, this stuff sucks, right? Like the new age college stuff. Like I hate people, like I like there's certain things that I hate about offenses. I hate bubble screen, right? It's stupid thing to hate, but I hate it. It's easy football, I don't like it. There's a purist perspective to some way guys create plays. And the way they were running Cam Newton made me think Josh McDaniels was just back there kind of like, We'll just run zone, but we'll we'll use Cam. Like it wasn't like he was like being crazy like. creative there. Like what we saw with Trey Lance last preseason game and preseason game three was more creative than what we saw with Cam all year. And I'm not like saying that I blame McDaniel's. I would run the same offense as won a bunch of Super Bowls too. I wouldn't be like eager to run Clemson's offense. So to me, it's like that's a little storyline that I don't think we cover that much. Is while Cam is a dynamic runner. 
if you don't have someone who's ready to lean into it all the way, and they obviously weren't. You don't draft Cam. You don't. You don't draft Mac Jones if you're a believer in what you guys are doing from the QB run game. Right. So I think it's like he probably just more or less was like that. Nah, I don't mind. Like we don't need the run threat. So let me close it out with this for you, Tim. We just did a lot of gushing about Mac Jones, and rightfully so. But with any player in general, young, old, whatever, there's always room to improve. And I'm just curious where you see. Mac potentially struggle and maybe need to improve upon. The one thing that Alex mentioned earlier was that interception he threw in practice, the end of training camp against the Giants and joints. It was a disguise safety rotation that he missed and he ended up throwing it right to Logan Ryan, who was kind of lurking on the backside and jumped the seam route. Then there was a play against the Giants in the game where a couple of instances that he held on to the football and took a sack or, or just held on to it for too long. The one thing that I have seen a little bit him slip up on is those post-snap coverage rotations, right? When he yeah. thinks he's getting single high, it turns out to be you know too high safety. He had one where he reads the left-hand side because that's his cover two beater. I broke it down on the show last week. And they rotated the safety into the box, took away the slant route by rotating the safety. And Gunnar Oshevsky was on the backside and a fade out route combination. That was just cover one beater, but he missed yeah. it, right? He never got over there because he's stuck on the cover two. That was the one thing that I, I saw that maybe could slip him up a little bit was everything, as you said earlier in the show, in New England is so focused on the pre-snap read that sometimes I saw him get hung up on that a little bit. Yeah, I think any what we would call trap coverage, but that rotational coverage post-snap is going to present some issues. Um I think where – I don't want to say he's going to struggle, but where he's going to have to learn is his arm – he has a good arm. I don't think – I don't believe in what everyone was talking about pre-draft about his arm being terrible. I think he has a good enough arm. I do think he's going to have to learn time and place for a second progression go ball because he did that a couple of times in the preseason where it was like here and then he's off it and then he throws. He's going to have to learn when he can actually throw that because all of a sudden that corner – is going to be able to pin the guy to the boundary and make a play on it. So I think those are the little things where it's like second progression or like, you know, second look deep stuff. He's going to have to really learn and like, okay, what can I throw? What can I throw? The pre-snap stuff, you nailed it. Any type of trap coverage, rotational coverage, he'll have problem with in year one. Everybody does. Hopefully they can help alleviate it formationally and cadence wise. If he doesn't have double cadence, he'll get rid of all the trap coverage. Um, so as long as he can beat it in certain ways, it'll help expedite that process. But I tell you, I think that's what, from a scheme wise, you're worried about the rotational trap coverage type things. And then just from a physical standpoint is he is going to have to learn when to test his arm and when to not. And that only comes with going ones on ones. It doesn't come with, Hey, going against backups or whatever happens in the preseason. Cause those windows, they don't close the same. Even though your receiver's not as fast, the, the window is goes from open to shut so much faster. And I think he'll just – it'll take a couple of weeks for him to really feel that all the way through the process. Yeah, absolutely. And, and before we let you go, Tim, got to give you a round of applause for P.J. Walker winning the I backup job going in Carolina, that. your guy. <laughs> Honestly – He looked good. He looks great, and yeah. uh, maybe push Darnold eventually. I mean, is that possible? I, I know I don't. I, I don't want to put you on the spot, <laughs> but it feels I think Carolina like had a great preseason, at least. Yeah, I think honestly, the thing I like about PJ, and, and I'm obviously biased, but the thing that for me, if I look at my backup quarterback, and you guys know because you guys are around practice and actually like the facility, these guys don't get reps. Right. If you're the in season, your starter is the only guy that gets reps. So when I look at it from like who I want my backup, PJ's the kind of guy that's going to go in there and create plays. Right. Like the stuff that he was doing in week one against the Lions, getting out. I think the NFL tweeted out like nine of his clips. Right. Like that's who he is. So to me, if you can, hey, if Sam Darnold goes down and you know the timing's not going to be the same because this guy doesn't get reps, at least this kid's going to come in and make a bunch of plays for you. Um, obviously, I think Carolina's pretty happy with Sam right now, but. But we'll see. You know, if he's seeing ghosts all of a sudden, then P.J. goes in. And then if he uh, plays like the guy that we thought he was going to be out of USC, then P.J. can just do what we all want to do, which is make quite a bit of money just, just watching.
<laughs> he had like let me ask you this because he had the one play against the Colts right where he he's out of gun and he comes back and he dips all the way around he throws yeah. off the front foot threads it touchdown yeah can you teach that is that something you work with him on or yeah. is that just you have to do it in the moment you either make the play or you don't yeah a lot of sorry it was the Colts not the lie I don't know what I'm saying but the Colts game was I mean that was wild I think in terms of actual like play creation that's a lot of its instinct man i'd love to sit here and take credit right because that means i'm better but a lot of its instinct what you can work with the guys is the ability to change their arm angle and all that kind of stuff that pj does a good job of and to me like you know i I play psychologist with our college and pro guys right like it's about helping them understand we want to hunt with the football and do all this because you know, you get cautious throughout the year. Enough times that you go on the road and 80,000 people scream that they love you because you threw a pick, like that messes with somebody. So try to lean into these guys and stay confident. Like PJ, you know, the play before that, he throws a cover two hole shot, which, you know, to me was the throw of the day, right? And I think across the NFL, but then he follows it up and he makes a play that, that only he can make. So, you know, those guys, the way they have instincts, man, you saw it in the XFL. I don't know if you guys watched the XFL. Oh, but yeah. I felt like that I kid was like this, this guy definitely did. You know, I was a big. He XFL was an electric guy. factory, and and he helped a lot. I mean, I made a lot of money on the XFL just betting on PJ. So that that was a good <laughs> thing. I got to keep going. <laughs> I mean, him and I was a Cam Phillips was the receiver there in Houston. Yeah. I mean, that was that was the connection. He would have won MVP, I think, if that thing played out. I had said that at the time. I oh, there's no. So what's funny is we have. I, I worked with the Luis Perez kid too, who was in New York. Yeah who had gotten in, and then New York was playing good. So I'm sitting there like, oh, wow. Yeah, yep, yep. So I'm sitting there. He was with the Birmingham or Alabama Birmingham Irons, yep. Yeah. And so I'm I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, these two guys are going to play in the championship. And then I wake up, and I'm like, oh, never mind. The world's going to shut down. So that was (laughs) uh, was, uh, a little different. That would have been the Jenkins Elite Bowl if both of them had had played at the championship game. There's a a fun – I went to watch PJ. Sorry, one last story. I went to watch PJ's last game in Houston before everything got shut down and Oliver Luck is there, the commissioner, right? Andrew's dad. And he's walking. And I, I look at him and I go, you're welcome. And he's like, I just kept walking. But I was like, you know, I just wanted him to make sure he knew that we're saving his New York franchise and his Houston franchise. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Oh man. Well, we were both Alex and I were texting back and forth about PJ Walker all preseason. And I knew that was your guy. So I was happy for you and excited for you. As you can tell, Tim clearly knows his stuff. I'll throw his uh, Twitter handle back on the screen here for everybody. Make sure that you go and follow him on YouTube as well. All things quarterback. You can go on there. All things QB, excuse me. And Tim has breakdowns, film breakdowns of Mac Jones, of the other rookie QBs. I didn't get to ask you how you thought Mac was compared to the other rookie quarterbacks, but we can have you on in a couple of weeks once we get some regular season tape under the belt and, and discuss some of those things as well. But all things QB on uh, YouTube breakdowns, film breakdowns of Mac Jones, the other rookie quarterbacks, and all sorts of people uh, around the NFL are uh, flocking to all things QB <laughs> to watch these QB breakdowns. I'm telling you, from a guy like Tim who has has worn the helmet and and been in those in those shoes before, it's obviously next level stuff, as you guys could tell from the last hour or so. And we could pick Tim's brain for another hour. Alex could talk to him about the XFL for another hour. <laughs> so we'll have Tim back on uh, soon and uh, check back in with him after Mac Jones makes a couple regular season starts. But until then, Alex and I will be back on the Thursday show to preview Sunday's season opener against the Miami Dolphins. Can't believe we're already there, but it is week one. So we'll get into the Dolphins and the Patriots matchup on Thursday. For Tim Jenkins, very, very big thank you from Alex and I for being on the pod today, Tim, with us. And and like I said, uh, we'll talk soon. Uh, We'll stick around with you. Don't worry. Uh, We'll call upon you very, very soon. But until next time, for Evan, I'm Evan Lazar. For Alex Barth and Tim Jenkins, thanks for watching, everybody.